This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about real-world leadership solutions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. My passion is to help leaders lead more effectively. Welcome to episode number four. The spread the load principle of leadership is what I want to focus on today. I also call this the getting a life principle. Every leader should have a life and not just focus on their work. In this episode, I'm going to cover what I call this spread the load principle of leadership, uh, lessons from the life of Moses, the workaholic, and then I'm going to give you a very practical exercise at the end to see, uh, to give you some very specific ways that you can spread the load and have a life and make sure that you're not so much spending your time making a living that you're not having a life. And I hope this will apply to everyone who's listening, no matter what your role is of leadership or followership. I don't think that anything should get in the way of making time for family, marriage, and children as we live very busy lives. You know, we all have a lot going on and it's easy, uh, the temptation because of the pressures of work, the pressures of finances, the pressures of the economy, uh, what our children need and want, uh, to just spend too much time working and not enough time living. I think it's important that we have a life You know, I've learned through the years that it's okay to have interests outside of work. And let me just ask you, do you have interests outside of work? And you may be saying to yourself, well, yeah, I've got interests, but I don't have any time between my marriage, my children, my job. That pretty well is it. And um, I understand, you know, I understand. Been there, done that. But I, I think sometimes people, especially in the Christian world, can uh, apologize for having outside interests and where sometimes people think, wow, this is not spiritual for me not to focus on the work or on God's work. And I just think it's important to have a multidimensional life, to not be just monodimensional, just one thing, you know, or all, you know, my main occupation is my work and then I've got Time for my wife and my children, but no outside interest whatsoever. You ever heard the saying, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy or Mary a dull girl? Well, it's true. And uh, I just don't think we should be uh, feel guilty about uh, having some time for the simple pleasures and the joys. A couple of years ago, I put together a PowerPoint slide on the things that interest me outside of my work. I've never been accused of being a workaholic. I, I work hard and I play hard. And here's some of the things I do when I play. And uh, if you're interested in getting to know Han, a little better. Uh, You might be interested in my little list here. And I apologize, but I kind of enjoy alliteration. So everything on my list of things that I enjoy outside of my work, and I do enjoy my work, but hobbies, outside interest, they all start with the letter C, cars. Oh my gosh, I love cars. I'm a car guy. Coffee, love coffee. Computers, Colorado, camping, catching fish, cycling. I'm a big time mountain biker. I love getting out there with my mountain bike. Country music. Hey, got any country music fans out there? Countries. I love traveling and I've been to over a hundred countries. Thankfully in my, in my work gave me that opportunity, but I really do love travel. Don't be ashamed to have a colorful 
palette of interest. Nothing is more bland than a leader who is one-dimensional or a follower who's one-dimensional. Again, what I want to cover in the show today is my own personal journey uh, with my wife, Donna, in managing, managing a big family, a marriage, and a demanding career. Uh, the spread the load principle, very specific applications you can use right away in your life, and an exercise for learning how to manage your time. Now, my wife and I have four wonderful children. We have four grandchildren, another one on the way. And, you know, our kids are great. And uh, when I took the demanding job that I took uh, as the CEO and president of World Venture 20 years ago, I told the board I wasn't going to sacrifice my family for a very demanding job. And, you know, my board really supported me in that. And I've always been grateful for their support. And so I made time for my kids, and they were really young when I started that huge job. And sometimes I wondered, how am I going to manage all this? But I'm just happy to say, now that they're grown, they're adults, they're getting married, they're having their own children, two things really please me and Donna about our kids. A lot of things. We're so proud of them. But they all walk with Christ in very different ways, but they all walk with Christ in various traditions. And we have a relationship, a wonderful relationship with each one of them. And that just is really cool. That means a lot to us, that we didn't spend our whole life just making a living and not living life and taking the time to live and enjoy and pour ourselves into our family. This is a really important part of leadership because I've known a lot of leaders that have sacrificed their families and their marriages for their work, and this is not good. Now, let me just give you a little disclaimer about raising children in case you can't say what I just said about your children, because raising children is not like preparing a wonderful meal. You follow the recipe and voila, you have a great meal. Some parents do all the right things and end up with heartbreak. It's not a simple recipe. And if you've had heartbreak and trouble with your kids, there's a wide variety of reasons why that happens to some folks. But as much as is in your power, I'm going to challenge you in this episode to spread the load and have a life and do everything you can to avoid being a workaholic. Now, I've noticed everybody is busier than they've ever been before. Why? Well, I think technology, which was supposed to make life easier for us, has actually made life busier for us. I remember when they used to say computers were going to eliminate paperwork, but actually they've increased paperwork. The information uh, revolution has not only arrived, the explosion of information, but it has arrived right into our smartphones. So we are busier than ever. Here's a question. At the end of your life, will anyone say, I wish I'd spent more time at the office? Will anybody say that? No. At the end of our lives, I guarantee I know what we're going to say. I have a dear friend right now who's in the last few days before his death, he's dying of cancer and just a precious guy, wonderful fella. And, uh, you know, he is surrounded by his family and his friends. And I know what's been in his mind in these last months. I want to spend as much time as possible with my family, my loved ones, and my friends. Nobody says at the end of their lives, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. I want to share with you today the spread the load principle that I learned 
in the Bible from studying Moses. And in my book, The Top Ten Leadership Commandments, this is chapter 5, Thou Shalt Have a Life. The setup of this story is Moses in Exodus chapter 18. He's doing the work of God. And I uh, referred to this a little bit in the last episode, if you listen to that. Uh, he was so busy with God's work that he sent his wife and two children to live with the in-laws because he had to work from before sunup till after sundown. Any of you have that problem? You feel that pressure? You can relate to Moses. And one day Jethro, it says uh, Moses saw about in the desert, desert coming toward, you know, he'd sent a message that he was coming to see him. And, and when he looked out in the desert, he noticed, oh, wow, he's got my wife and kids with him. This is a family visit. And they had a wonderful reunion. Jethro spent the night. The next morning, he spent the whole day watching Moses work. And at the end of that day, Jethro said to Moses, and uh, as gracefully as I'm sure he could, he says, what you are doing is not good. You are just frustrating these people and you are not doing a good job. You need to spread the load. You need to appoint some other leaders to help you lead. You are not indispensable. You do not have to do everything yourself. This was a very strong message from Jethro to Moses. And it's found in the book of Exodus, if you want to look at it, Exodus 18, verses 14, 17, and then 19 through 23. The message was spread the load. You know, some people say that Jethro was the first management consultant in the Bible. And the thing about management consultants, I've hired many through the years. I've hired some great management consultants and some terrible ones. And my management consultant friends tell me, you know, one of the most frustrating thing about being a consultant is that people don't have to do what you advise them to do. And many times people don't follow the instructions of a consultant because they're afraid to. And the consultant ultimately is not an employee, so they can't make their clients do what they suggest they do. The cool thing about Moses, he actually did what Jethro advised, and he appointed leaders and elders, and he spread the load. Now, let, before I get to the, to the end of that story, what was not good about what he was doing? Jethro said to Moses, what you're doing is not good. And this is what happens uh, with uh, workaholics who try to control everything. He was frustrating the people. I mean, you think they were happy standing in line all day waiting to talk to the boss, waiting to get their problems solved? They weren't happy. He wasn't happy. and Wasn't nobody happy. Frustrating the people, not doing a good job, neglecting his wife, neglecting his children. I think Moses was probably pretty miserable. Why do we fall into this trap? Well pressure of the job, pressure of our families, the expectations of our employers, of our board, the expectation of our customers, the expectation of our parishioners, money, making a living, uh, pressure to conform to my neighbors and to keep up with all the stuff they have. We think we're indispensable. We think uh, this is a big problem. We think we're the only one that can do the job correctly. And that's known as a control freak. And that gets us into trouble. Well, let's talk about some specific applications. Jethro uh, had a great message for Moses. Moses followed his advice. He spread the load. He appointed elders. And it says he got his wife back and his children back. And I think he became a much more balanced leader as time went on. And Moses went on to lead the children of Israel for 40 years 
I think he did a great job. So what is the message? Spread the load. One thing that I I think is so important about spreading the load is doing proper teamwork. Teamwork really does make the dream work. So if you work with a team, I believe you're more likely to succeed. Here's the four reasons why I think teamwork is so powerful at helping you not be a workaholic helping you spread the load, and helping you be a better leader. We should lead through a team, if at all possible. And one of the biggest responsibilities of a leader is to select the right team. I will have future podcasts devoted to that very topic. How do you recruit the right team? How do you choose the right people around you? But for right now, I want to give you the four reasons that teamwork really does make the dream work. Number one, if you work through a team, you are more likely to succeed because it doesn't just depend on you. Number two, if you work through a team, you're less likely to burn out. People that burn out are workaholics that cannot seem to spread the work around and they think everything depends on them. And before you know it, they blow a gasket. Number three, if you work through a team, you do better work because a group of people is much more powerful and competent than one individual. You know, one plus one plus one does not equal three. It probably equals five, six, or seven in terms of total capacity. And I always tried to hire and I always try to put people on my team that complement my weaknesses so where I'm weak, they are strong. That's why when you work through a team, you do better work because in the culmination of the whole team, you've got all the gifts and talents and, and specialties you need. Number four, if you work through a team, you ensure the long-term continuity of your work because face it, You're not going to be around forever. You may move on to another opportunity. And it's always sad to me when a leader leaves and then everything falls apart. I've seen this happen in churches. I've seen this happen in ministries. I've seen this happen in businesses that are built around one personality. If we work through a team, you ensure the long-term continuity of the, the plan, the vision, the strategic outcomes, because it doesn't just depend on you. And if you do a good job building into the leadership, they can go on without you. I am so excited that uh, when I left World Venture last year, a great guy took on uh, my responsibility as president after me, a wonderful man by the name of Jeff. And, you know, we didn't skip a beat. And he's he's doing a great job because it didn't just, everything wasn't just surrounded with my personality. So if you work through a team, you ensure long term continuity. Let me give you some specific applications on how you can spread the load and specifically have a life. I had a great professor when I was in uh, graduate school. His name was Howard Hendricks. Some of you know that name. Howard Hendricks uh, was the greatest communicator that I've ever sat under and I studied under him and I learned so many great things from him. But one thing he taught us is that every day when he went home from work, there was a bridge that he crossed. And he says, I always dumped my problems on the side of the road by that bridge. And then I went home and tried to focus on my family. And in the morning when I drove back over that bridge, would you believe it? The problems were still there and I got to pick them up and take them with me. Now, you know, that's a little hard to do, but that's something I've tried to practice through the years. And and one thing I've worked very hard that I did through the years is try not to bring work home. 
if you have an office, it's easy to say, well, I'm going to divide between my office life and my home life. Now I'm working out of my house and it's more difficult to, to draw that line. But leave your worries on the side of the road when you go home to spend time with your wife and your family, if you have a wife and family. Don't be ashamed of hobbies and outside interests. All work and no play make everyone dull people. Don't be a workaholic. Admit that you're not indispensable. Take a lesson from Ronald Reagan who said it's, a, you know, he had this little sign on his desk and, he, and it said it's amazing what a man or a woman can accomplish if they don't care who gets the credit. I love that about Ronald Reagan. He was not a workaholic, but he got a lot done through people and through casting vision. Put your family high on your priority list. And at the end of the show, I'm going to give you a very practical exercise to see how you do on that and some great tips on how to do that. That leads right to the next principle, and that's take vacations. I did some research on vacationing and who are the people in the world that take the least amount of vacations and who take the most amount of vacations. Guess what country on planet Earth where people take the least amount of vacations? Yep, America. It doesn't mean we're given the least amount of vacation time. It's we take the least amount of vacations. Many Americans don't even take the vacation that's allotted to them. The two reasons that I always hear when I talk to buddies and friends and acquaintances and, oh, yeah, man, I need to take a good vacation. Yeah, we really ought to, but it's always like, yeah, we really ought to, but we don't ever do it. Two reasons I always hear the excuses, finances, and time. We don't have the money to do it. We don't have the time to do it. What I did years ago is I created a separate savings account for our family, and I call it our uh, vacation fund. Duh. Very creative. And every month, so much money goes into that vacation fund so that when our scheduled vacation arrives, I have a special debit card that is only for that fund. And when we go on vacation, we know we've got money because we're not using current money to pay for vacation, but money that we've set aside. Just one tip that I would highly uh, recommend to you. Take your vacations. You know who takes the best vacations on planet Earth? Wow, you might be surprised. France, the French take the most, and the Germans are not far behind. And uh, maybe that's uh, because I'm pure German. Maybe that's one reason it's never been hard for me to take vacations, and I've always taken all my allotted time, and I've always believed that vacationing should be intentional and planned. And I'll get to that in just a moment, a great exercise that you can do to see if uh, if that'll work for you. Let me just say one more thing about uh, vacations, and that is don't just take a vacation on your way to doing some other kind of work. And I know a lot of people get in it, especially people in ministry and pastors. They say, well, I'm going to go speak at this conference, and, you know, we'll do a little vacation on the side or on my way to this meeting, you know, I'll have those people pay for me to come, and then we'll try to make, you know, that's not really an intentional vacation, and we need to really try to have some protected vacations that are that are truly intentional another thing is to lay aside our smartphones when you go on vacation last christmas uh, we had our whole family here for uh, christmas and and at christmas dinner we were going to have about a 24-hour period where all of us and our kids and our grandkids were all going to be together in our house here in colorado and i asked the family at dinner would everybody be willing to put your smartphones aside for 24 hours uh, just so we could really concentrate on each other. 
And everybody agreed to do it. And we had an awesome, awesome time because we just focused on each other. Isn't it amazing how many people can now sit around in their living room or at a restaurant and everybody's on their smartphones and people are not really communicating with each other? Here's this great quote that I shared in another podcast, but I want to share it again from Sherry Turkle, professor of social studies of science and technology at MIT. It's about social media and how it's robbing us of relationships. You know, we're connected to more people than ever, but are we really relating to them on a personal level? Quote, a capacity for solitude is what nurtures great relationships. But in today's always-on social media world, our solitude has been replaced by incessant online updates, which both weaken our sense of self and our ability to create genuine friendships. I'll have that in my show notes on the website, leadershipanswerman.com, along with most of everything I've shared today. You know, I am really into social media, and I'm always checking my Facebook updates, my Instagram updates, where I can see uh, what my friends are up to, my uh, Twitter account, my email, my text messages. You know, I, I get that. Uh, it can be so addicting, but I have to remember when I'm with people that they come first. People come first. First, don't you think if you were having some special time with a person face to face in the same room in the same space that they are more important than whoever's trying to get to you through your smartphone? I happen to think we should give respect to people and, and put them first. Well, those are just some of the suggestions that I have for spreading the load, having a life. A great story about my son, Jeremy, when he was a teenager, we were living in Wheaton, Illinois, and as many teenagers do, he was struggling with uh, middle school and, you know, really having issues. One thing I've learned through the years about being a father is it's it's better for me to have quality time with my children one-on-one -on -one than when they're all clumped together because, you know, my kids, I don't know about yours, but mine tend to fight when they're all together. You know, <laughs> maybe you have perfect kids that don't fight, but mine, uh, mine do. But if you take them out one by one and do stuff with them, you know, just really great quality time. So that's what I did through the years, spend special time with each one, one by one. Well, he was having a lot of trouble, and it happened to be a time when, which was very pressurized at my job. But I remember one day I just decided, you know, uh, and I told my assistant, Joyce, I said, you know what, I'm going to be gone the next three days. I'm going to take Jeremy on a special trip because he needs me. And I took him up to Mackinac uh, Island up in northern Michigan, and we uh, rode bikes for two days. And at night we had a motel room and we ate pizza and we watched movies. And I tell you what, it was a precious time. Well, fast forward today, Jeremy's 27 years old and he has a, a cute little son, Nicholas, and a second daughter who's on the way. And Jeremy told me the other day, Dad, I still look at my childhood as one of that. That trip was one of the most special memories of my entire childhood. And you know what, Dad? I want to be the kind of father to my kids that you were to me. Wow. That was amazing. <laughs> you can take that to the bank. That was so precious. Was it easy to leave my job and just go spend the, the time with Jeremy instead? No, I had a lot going on. But I did believe in the end, when all is said and done, that uh, 
I'm going to be held accountable to what kind of a husband I was and what kind of a parent I was before what kind of a job I did. Now, I know many of you are not the boss and you're not fully in charge and you, you sometimes feel, you, you probably feel like a victim of, Hans, I hear what you're saying, but I can't get away as much as you say I can. But you know what? You are given your allotted vacations. You're given your weekends. Most of us are, you know, your days off. Take them and use them intentionally. Well, let me draw a conclusion now and some applications. We should not spend all of our lives making a living and forget to take the time to live. I want to tell you about the aquarium exercise. I think it might have been Stephen Covey who first uh, came up with this idea in the Seven Habits book. I, it's been around for a long time. It's something you can do with your spouse. And, and you may do this actually physically or you may just do this like um, sort of mystically, <laughs> sort of like a picture doing this. But you imagine you have an aquarium and your aquarium is your empty calendar for the next six months. Now, if you don't control your calendar, I guarantee I know who will. You know who will? Other people. Either you're going to control it or other people will fill it for you. First thing you place in that calendar are the biggest rocks, then the little rocks, then the marbles, then the BBs. And then when you think nothing else will fit, then you can put sand in there. And then when you think nothing else can fit, then you can put water in there. And that's the way you fill up an aquarium. And I would be a proponent that the biggest rocks are your family, your marriage, your children, your other special relationships with people, and your grandchildren. Those are the biggest rocks. The first thing that I lock in every year going one year out are vacations. We put those big rocks there. We say we're going to go. We'll figure out later exactly where. We have our special places we like to go. For our marriage, Donna and I have had a date night every Friday night for years, and we just protect that. When people want to, you know, don't get a hold of me and say, hey, you, you want to meet Friday night? I'll always say no because that's our, our date night. So think about the aquarium. I would suggest you do this exercise with your spouse, the aquarium exercise. Take a look at your calendar. Visualize it as if it's a big aquarium. And put those big rocks in there first and the little rocks and make time for your family. Spread the load. Build a leadership team. Oh, I wanted to say one more thing about vacation. If you can't take a vacation because you're the boss and things will fall apart if you're gone too long, you're not a very effective leader. You haven't developed leadership under you. An effective leader who's developed a leadership team can walk away and go on vacation and have a life and things will not fall apart. I want to finish up with uh, what's called the prayer of Moses in the Bible in, in Psalm 90. I, I only know of two Psalms that Moses actually wrote. Here's what he prayed to God. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Or in the message translation, Psalm 90, again, verse 12 reads, Oh, teach us to live well. Teach us to live wisely and to live well. As we conclude this podcast, the book I want to recommend to you today is called The Last Lecture by Randy Pausch, P-A-U-S-C-H, The Last Lecture. You've probably seen the video and heard about it. It's about a, a Randy, who was a professor at Carnegie Mellon, and he got terminal cancer, and he gave this lecture, and it was an amazing lecture. I, I recommend you try to find it on YouTube and watch it, but the little book, the national bestseller, The Last Lecture, takes it a little further than the lecture did. 
And what a great lesson uh, looking back at the end of your life and what was most important, the last lecture. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. Please send me your leadership questions that I can answer on a future podcast. And I would love to have you sign up for my email updates at leadershipanswerman.com. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. Keep listening and learning and go out there and make a difference with your leadership.